Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Patsy DeFerrance is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. All right, nothing like a little Mike Giardi to go with your cup of joe as you try to conquer hump day. And the day before the Patriots preseason opener, that's what we're talking about today. We're looking ahead. This is no training camp takeaways. This is no amount of targets, catches. Targets and catches becoming a big topic of conversation thanks to our new guest and good friend, uh, Mike Giardi, the Boston Sports Journal, and Stink Stank Stunk fame. Let's just hit this on the head. You and I have mm-hmm. talked about this. You've had a great sense of humor through the whole thing. I like it when the players go back and forth, but I'm not on the receiving end this time. Uh, let's, let's do a minute on this, shall we? Yeah, so look, obviously what I said, um, I said I stand by what I said. I think some of it got twisted, and I'm not trying to backtrack on it. But the bottom line is I think it's a bottom three receiving core in the National Football League. I don't think I'm the only one who thinks that. I think it's across the board. The people who watch the league think that they don't have enough of that position. So I said what I said. If they want to come back at me, they're grown men. They can do what they want. I fully accept the fact Andrew, that they weren't going to like what I said. And that's fine. Like, as long as it, it's been fine. Like, Kendrick was, was, that was funny. I laughed. It's, it's funny. You know, like Devante's gone at me a little bit on Twitter. Like, you know, like whatever, whatever um, you need to do, whatever you feel like you need to do, do it. It, it, It's okay. um, By and large. Right. Definitely. I will just say this because I said it on TV the other night Uh, when they print the shirts, after like someone's hundred yard game, I'm gonna wear one, and I'm gonna wear it. Maybe not in the locker room. Maybe during Bill's availability, and just have him stare at me an extra second, going, yeah. "Stink, stank, stunk." Um, yeah. But it'll be pointing at you, so I need you to sit next to me for that. Anyway, preseason over tomorrow night. Patriots Texans, seven p.m. You can watch it locally or on the McCordy uh, Twin Cast. Something I don't think you personally would advise, uh, given your very serious, you know, tense relationship with Devin. Um, I'm glad we have real football. We're at a point in camp that for me, you know, I think fans on the outside feel a, a similar way of you're reading all the content, the tweets, everything that's being delivered. You want to see it for yourself and especially things that don't sound like they're going as well. Quick reminder for the folks at home, this episode of the Pats Interference Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. I don't know if you can wager on preseason football, Mike. I wouldn't advise it personally. What I would advise, though, is for folks to listen to the following five things that Mike has and I have here on my own list and see where we overlap because these are they're a mix of concerns, strengths, weaknesses, trends, things you might not be thinking of. And I think the best way to approach these preseason games, because we'll have takeaways and film reviews and all that will be couched and qualified, blah, blah, blah. No, let's set the most important five things right now and see where we come out on the other end late Thursday night. Are you ready? Yes, let's do it. All right, number one on your list of five things to watch, Patriots-Texans tomorrow night is? Tyquan Thornton, show me something, right? He missed a couple days in practice earlier in camp. Uh, Obviously, there were some issues as well in mandatory minicamp and in the spring. 
He hasn't shown that he can stay healthy early in his career. There's been some inconsistencies when he's been out there. I, I looked at the top 12 receivers drafted last year. He was 11th in terms of yards per game last year. And look, you can put some of that on the offensive design and whatnot. But nonetheless, like down at the bottom, they need him to be a, an important player at that position because he gives them something that they don't have. That's that speed. I think we saw it on maybe Sunday's practice. They were working high red zone. He took two defenders with him because of that speed. Took off, opened up a space underneath. I believe it was Gasecki who came up underneath it, had the space, made a play there. That's the kind of thing, even if he's not catching passes, that if he can stay out there and get that attention, that that will help the offense, I think, considerably. Because, look, what we've seen so far, and again, it's just 13 days, is a lot of 15 and in in terms of throwing. A lot of checkdowns, quick outs, comebacks, those sorts of things. That's where they've been most successful. I believe that's where they'll be most successful with this offense and the pieces they have in it. So having someone like Thornton to be able to stretch the field, occasionally make the play, but then open that space would be huge for the team. And he's got to – it's time, man. He, got, he needs the reps. Now go show us you can do something with the reps. So Tyquan Thornton not on my list, which I'm glad we start and diverge here. And I'll explain why very succinctly. Um, last year, Tyquan Thornton inspired a lot of hope around here with his performance in a preseason game against the Giants. He had a touchdown in the back line of the end zone. Then he gets hurt in Carolina. We don't see him. So he got to ride that hope or the expectation was set. This is all us on the outside. This is nothing he did aside from his job, which was catching sure. a touchdown. But the expectation was at a place that was unreasonable because when he came back and played, as I've said, more snaps than Kendrick Bourne and was less productive uh, despite being 6'2", 6'3", and having 4'2 speed, it just didn't happen. So I don't think this will be particularly telling uh, for me. That was not a succinct explanation. Uh, sorry, everyone. The other part about Thornton, though, which is encouraging. I wrote about this in my very lengthy practice report uh, that came out today in the Boston Herald last night on the website. He had three catches, one of which over the middle was after Mac Jones would have been sacked. But you saw him high point the ball in a way that said, okay, he's he's really 6'2", 6'3", that we just hadn't seen from him. And things like that over the middle are going to kind of build out and round ahead of his game. Again, the play probably would have resulted in a sack, but some encouraging signs. I just don't know how much we're going to learn about him until we get to the regular season. Yeah, Fair? I would agree. I would agree completely. Okay. All right. Uh, number one on my list, and I, I, I might kick you off if uh, this is not somewhere on your list, the offensive tackle rotation. Are we in agreement here? You know, honestly, I didn't put him on my list. Oh! Well, because okay. I didn't put Well, because we're going into a preseason game and you, you, they don't have their guys or they don't have Trent. And that, you know, sort of the trickle-down effect of, of, of what happens there. I mean, it is an oversight. Maybe it's an oversight, but I just – I don't feel good about the position, so I don't know. I Maybe I don't have any expectations for it. Well, that's, that's why it's on my list. I said at the opening, this is a time when fans, the public, the rest of the league, which is going to be combing through all of this film Friday and onward, will see the things that we've been reporting on because they've largely been in a private setting at training camp. Riley Reef has been the starting left tackle for basically the last week. Um, Connor McDermott at right tackle, a job he took over on day three for Riley Reef. Uh, for reasons that are unclear right now, Trent Brown, I will not play. Like it's just, it's just not going to happen. Uh, and then Andrew Stuber at left tackle in City South, fourth round rookie, career college guard, uh, who is one in four in one on one pass rush with some of the worst losses you've seen. Because that's what happens when you do something you haven't done full time since 2018. That being playing right tackle. So you could say what you just did and say, well, Trent Brown will come back. You know, Riley Reef will move to right tackle. Probably Calvin Anderson, maybe. 
I don't know that. I don't trust that. And it's partly because of Trent's health. It's partly because Reef and McDermott, who I just listed off, are your top candidates to be the right tackle. Calvin Anderson doesn't play that position. So what they show in pads, where we don't have to qualify, they gave up 21 sacks the last three days, a real stat, okay? One of those days was in pads. So how many would have actually happened? No, no, no. You'll see a good defensive line, and I want to see what these guys look like, in addition to the fact that they're a little bit more well-known commodities as older old veterans. So how does that look? I don't know. I want to learn it Thursday night. Yeah, I mean, look it- – it's a concern. I was talking on TV with Phil Perry a couple of days ago about the, the 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 tackle market and like someone like Caleb McGarry got fifteen million dollars and Caleb McGarry is a fine player, but he's not a fifteen million dollar a year player. So it sort of shows you some of the challenges that presented themselves if you're looking for a veteran tackle to step in, which is what they ended up doing. Right? They paid Riley some real money. They paid Anderson a couple million, and we haven't seen him yet. He's on the NFI. So. Um, they didn't go that high level. They went with that sort of, it's not bottom of the barrel because they gave real money, but like guys that haven't really, one's on the downside and one might just be a veteran journeyman. Um, but that takes me all the way back to the draft and the notion that there had to be someone in that range, even if you didn't want to do it with your first couple picks, that could have been someone that at some point this year you felt like if he progresses the way uh, we think he can with our coaching, that he can play for us. And instead you're trying to convert as you mentioned, a guard uh, since 2018, and now you're trying to do it at the NFL level. Hey, good luck, kid. Let, let me know how that goes for you when the right. level of athletes that you're playing against snap in and snap out are a hell of a lot more difficult than what you played in college. Two things on the offensive tackle, and then we can move on back to your list. Um, one of it's for me when you go to free agency, and, and it's a fair point that those prices were exorbitant. Like the money that Mike McGlinchey got was right. a credit to his agent, a credit yeah, to timing the market correctly. Like the top tackles... Orlando Brown is well-rounded, but he's not firmly in the top 10 at his position, but he's being paid, I think, in the top three, five, whatever it is. The next tier down are sharing the same tier where a guy, Mike McGlinchey, who has had career issues in pass protection, and then Jawan Taylor, who doesn't want to run block a dandelion, okay? So they they excel in the other areas. The run blocking for McGlinchey and Jawan Taylor with the pass protection, obviously pass protection is more vital and a better skill to have, but the Patriots didn't seem to want to go to that level for those players who have clearly identifiable holes in their game. My counterpoint to that approach would be, this is the alternative, okay, is Riley Reef. Okay, you don't want to pay those guys $15, $20 million. You give five to Reef. You're going to get the return on that $5 million. Like, this is just the market. I would not want to live last year coaching aside with the offensive tackles that they did, one of which is back, Connor McDermott. Uh, I would rather give the money and, and count on expected market growth with a $250 million cap next year, $300 million is on the horizon, where that 15 doesn't sound so bad because it's really just a small fraction of the cap. The second one is a question. Folks watching on YouTube right now, rolling into questions, thank you so much for these comments. Uh, we'll get to ones, and I have three questions we'll probably get to at the end. Someone raised the, uh, and I'm going to find the name here just so I get this right, moving Mike Onwenu when he comes back, if he comes back, to right tackle and Antonio Maffi at right guard. This is from Joker Jones. So, Mac, first of all, hello, uh, Joker. No nickname of <laughs> Patriots quarterback. Mac Jones, maybe with a, a suggestion here. Belichick is on the record saying they just don't want to play on when he went right, right tackle. Yeah. And that's that. We might think it's a good idea. I don't know about you, but that's just where they are. Yeah, I mean, it's he's just insisted on it too many times. And then you talk to people inside the building. It's like, look, what do we want to weaken two spots? 
you know, or, or have question marks at two spots. We know what he is at right guard, and that's very good. So why do we want to change that? I, I mean, look, if they get into a disastrous situation with health, maybe that's ha- that happens. But I think they've shown a real stubbornness in that regard, and I don't, I, I don't really blame them. I, you know, if I can count on a guy being at a Pro Bowl caliber level at guard, why do I want to move him unless I, I know he could be a Pro Bowl caliber type tackle? Yeah, and I think it inhibits some of his growth, right? I don't think it's uh, a coincidence that Mike Onwenu, if you were paying attention to the right guard play last year, which normally I would excuse, but the guy was so good, yeah. got better with more continuity. He wasn't being moved around like we saw in 2020 and 2021. Like, they put him in at right guard, and they let him go, and that natural talent shone through, also a position he played in college. So it all kind of checks out. All right, we've talked about the offensive tackle rotation, something I want to watch. Tyquan Thornton, something you want to watch. Can we get some overlap? What is number two in your list? I would say what what sort of um, treatment does Christian Gonzalez get? He's been yeah. with the starters, right? But he's a rookie, and he's been repping against the same guys day in and day out. Do you want to throw him out there for at least a couple series against the Texans to sort of get his feet wet? There's a little bit more buzz. I mean, it's preseason. It's not going to be crazy. It's not a regular season game. They're not game planning, but just to, to kind of get his feet wet in that regard and just see how he stands up against some different wide receivers and a different scheme. I, I just wonder because, like, he's sort of – he's with that group now, right, where he's getting sort of the starter treatment. So I wonder if he gets it in the first preseason game. I think it's a great point. His snaps would indicate he'll get that treatment. He's just been running with the first-team defense virtually all of camp. This is not a case of where, you know, Marcus Jones, Jack Jones are going first and second team in different positions. Like, no, he's a perimeter corner. He's been playing perimeter corner, and he stayed there. The other part about Gonzalez where he might actually benefit, though, from, you know, some some run in the preseason. At some point, he'll play, right? They're not just going to put him in bubble wrap and say, good luck, week one. Uh, You know, A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith, welcome, big hands. This is your first receiver you're seeing is the physicality aspect, which I talked about last week with Phil and the upending we had seen a Raleigh Webb on a bubble screen, you know, coming in to smoke Juju Smith-Schuster if that was allowed in one of their earlier padded practices. He's not afraid in that sense, but nothing beats live reps when it comes to tackling. You just, you can't do it in practice the way that you would in a game. So will he get that run? If not, a couple other things on him. 0 for 2 and one-on-ones yesterday against the receivers. I'm not too worried. The receivers get a two-way go. You, as a former receiver, uh, know what that's like, being just the freedom to go wherever the heck you want. And then he allowed four to five catches in, in practice the other day, none yesterday. So it's not been as steady as we had seen for the first week plus, where I'm calling him one of the best players in the field. That's what it was. It didn't mean a whole lot because it was mostly non padded practices. Do you have any other thoughts about Christian before we move on? No, I just think he's um, – I think he's been – sort of as advertised. He's really smooth. You can tell he's a terrific athlete. Uh, there are a couple times in one-on-ones where he gets a stutter and go and he blankets it. You know, you just you just don't run away from him because he does have that really high-end speed. And I think the big thing is, and I wonder, as you mentioned, sort of the physicality showed a couple points in, in training camp, if he heard what people were saying. And that's one of the question marks about him. Maybe one of the reasons he fell was the competitive nature and the physicality. So like, hey, no, I'm I'm physical. I'll show you I'm physical. But to your big point, AJ Brown is a load. So in week one, when you're lined up across him, can you take him down? He's really hard to take down. Ask pretty much any quarterback in the league. But that's just going to be a challenge for him. He's you know look, he's going to have to get 
stronger as he goes on and he will because he's he'll be in the program and he'll be doing the things that they want him to do but uh, it'll be a big challenge for him when they when they get to week one your descriptions of receivers are just you know top notch we have stinks stinks dunk we now have aj brown as a load uh i understand what you're saying and in none of them do i particularly disagree i'm just i'm ready for the next one if we get to it <laughs> which which we should uh quick question though ashley jumps in she wants to know who's the player people aren't talking about that is most likely to make a name for himself this season. So, and I will buy you some time here as you very yeah, visibly yeah. think about this. <laughs> yeah, you can see the brain, the, the hamster wheels going around. The qualifier Ashley uses immediately removes players like Christian Gonzalez or mm -hmm. Pop Douglas or Mike Isicki, who had the catch at training camp yesterday. So you take those players out, even a bounce back season from Mac Jones. Everyone's always talking about the quarterbacks, even when they shouldn't be. Um, does anyone jump out to you? Well, you know, he's on my list. So do you want me to overlap? Oh, oh sure. Keon White. Okay. Keon okay. White has had some monstrous reps in camp. I mean, I can't even begin to describe the mountain of a human being he is. Like, you shouldn't be that big and be that ripped. I mean, me, but like, you know, when you're six foot five or whatever. Don't um, worry, Ted Johnson has covered this. Ted admitted yes. to me he was jealous that Keon White got to 30 reps on the bench press. It was a very bench press heavy episode last yes. week, uh, naturally with Ted. But anyway, he that that's coming from 250 pound ex NFL player Ted Johnson. Everything yeah, you're saying. So I mean, yeah, he's he's just an impressive physical guy. But then there he's been impressive on the field. Um, not perfect, but it, I don't expect it to be. My curiosity with him is. Well, first of all, I want to see him like just kick some Texans butt because I, I think he's like, ready for someone else and be able to throw somebody around and squash a quarterback or two. Um, so I'm looking forward to that part of it. But also, like, you're starting to look at the big picture. And when they drafted him, I said, wait, it feels an awful lot like he's Dietrich Wise's replacement. Similar guy, play on the edge, but in passing downs, you move him inside and he's going to crush the guard. I mean, if you look at some of the, 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 the nerd numbers on Dietrich last year, when he put him inside, he was their second best pass rusher nerd behind numbers. Judon. Like he eats on those guards and White seems like he's that same type of player. So I'm curious to see like how this plays out because I think Dietrich is, I mean, Dietrich had a really good year last year. So are you unseating Dietrich at some point this year? Or is this just essentially going to end up being a redshirt year? I think he can obviously force it if he plays well and continues to play well throughout the rest of camp. Uh, and in these preseason games and whatever opportunities he gets when the season starts. But uh, he's he's a unique guy. Like, you know, the the reports that we had about him maybe being the guy they were targeting in the first round, um, he's shown signs that he definitely could have been a first-round pick and that maybe some people might. Again, it's early, but might regret that some down the line. You know, when you go after the nerds with stats, which are really just – pressures and pressure rate you got to be careful Mike because they will come back at you and I say this as someone who likes to think I straddle the nerd world the analytics part certainly dip my toe in maybe get up to my knees my nipples I don't know <laughs> and then stay with you film traditionalist because the nerds will come up with the stat and it'll yeah. be about receivers it'll be called stank and it will be an acronym <laughs> for an actual thing because sure. I, forgive me I don't remember the stat inventor's name but there's one Alex named after Alex Smith in terms of how often quarterbacks threw before the line to gain on third down. Cause that was something Alex Smith was famous for was raising a white flag half the way up on third down by just checking down, checking down, checking down. So anyway, you are going to get your own stank. Uh, hey, if you don't, look, I, I, after the last two weeks, <laughs> like what can, I mean, 
I know. people had say a, to me? You know, the, the, a, the messages that people say some really kind things. Guys, we love, I appreciate you. A lot of love. all love here. All right, on Keon White, uh, question for you. Over under, uh, half half tackled for loss for him Thursday. Oh, I'm taking the over. Okay. All right. I, well, yeah, I, I, I think I'm telling you, I feel like he's ready to just erupt like this. All right. I'm tired of blocking, being blocked by my guys. I want to go throw somebody around. Now, maybe he might, he might get so excited that he might forget that he's supposed to two gap and he just, you know, decides to launch somebody and, and, and go where he's not supposed to go, but it's going to happen. I love it. Uh, Ken White also good job by us when it comes to the preseason, not doing the, you're ready to, hit somebody else this week no, in the press conference. It, Should it happen yesterday? Maybe it yeah. did. I wasn't around. No, no, I, I didn't hear it. So, yeah, okay. you're right. The last two days, you're usually – you're on a high alert for that. Like, do we really and have to ask that? Every year. Like, yes, of course. You, yeah. you do. I, am I excited about playing football? Yes, that's what I, that's what I do for a living. Anyway, yes, if you want to take more Patriots overs, like Mike Giardi just encouraged you to do indirectly because I set him up, but he's a good teammate and knew it was coming. Go to FanDuel. All right, I know you know this, but I'm not sure you feel it. So I want you to listen very closely. Football season is about to kick off. High school, college, and especially the NFL. And in the NFL, FanDuel is giving you a chance to win all season long. Because right now, when you bet on a Super Bowl winner, you can get bonus bets every single time that team wins in the regular season. Just pick any team to win the Super Bowl and you'll get bonus bets for every victory. You can use these bonus bets on things like spreads, player props, over-under, and ton-tons more. New bets, new games, new everything every single week in the NFL at FanDuel. So visit FanDuel.com slash Boston and start earning bonus bets with America's number one sportsbook. That's FanDuel.com slash Boston. Gambling problem? In Massachusetts, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Hope is here at GamblingHelplineMA.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support. In New York, call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. Must be 21 year older and present in select states. Bonuses are issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Max bonus $50 unless specified otherwise. Restrictions do apply. Please see terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Okay, uh, Keon White, not on my list. Let's just get to the other rookie here and then we'll, we'll jump off the rookies. We've done Gonzalez, we've done Keon White. Yep. Pop Douglas was, was, was my receiver here. Uh, this was someone who definitely wouldn't fit in that category that we just discussed with Ashley. Again, if you have more uh, questions, drop them in the comments here at YouTube. Zero catches yesterday. First real quiet day uh, for Douglas, who also dropped the punt. I'm not going to, you know, mark him down for that. He's only caught three passes for Mac by, by my accounting might be four. Uh, I have to double check those numbers. But he's undefeated in one-on-ones. Like the quickness we're seeing, and I've said this before, I think gets a bump because relative to Juju and Kendrick Bourne, and especially Dante Parker, it looks better because they're not quick players, particularly born for his size, maybe. But I want to see how that translates. Is this regular quickness for a slot option? Is he a much better player, diamond in the rough, late round find? I don't know. I'm encouraged by what we see. Um, let's keep this one short and keep moving. Any more thoughts on Pop Douglas? I'm just curious about the how they're going to rep him, uh, sort of along the lines of Gonzalez, just in that he's had – He's gotten a lot of attention, and sometimes when you get a lot of attention and you're a young player, and if they start to believe in you internally, they might tweak your your reps here in the preseason because they might not want people to necessarily see all the things they're thinking about doing with you. So I'm just curious, like, 
is he going to be given a couple series and it's going to be just throw it to him once here on a quick hitch. And then like, that's, that's that, we, you know, we're going to, we're going to run everybody else and he can go stand on the sidelines with the rest of you guys. I'm, I, I'm curious because I think that's, if you go back and sort of look at the history of this team and how they've utilized some guys in the preseason kind of do have to pay attention to whether they, they put someone on ice early because they don't want there to be any additional buzz than he's already getting. And I think the folks at home should know the Patriots are very cognizant of that and how players are being hyped and when they get access to the media. And certainly the players have agency in this too, where they don't want to talk to us certain days. You know, there's wiggle room within the media policy, uh, but they don't have to. So when you do see Pop Douglas, it's it's great for us because we get to ask him questions, relay those answers to you, uh, contextualize certain reps we want to ask him about or plays that he made or what he's learning and doing, et cetera, et cetera. But just keep that in mind. If we don't hear a lot from him in the next couple of weeks, it's the Patriots reading everything, as they always do, and listen uh, and trying to manage expectations for a player who's been really, really good. He uh, said he was, right. By the way, he said he was 180 to 182 pounds yesterday. They list him at 192 in the, in the, um, in the media guide. I got a feeling he might have got a little tap on the shoulder and say, come talk to me for a second. That's a little too much revelation. Like, yeah, we put you at 192. You're 192. Uh, on that note, just because I'll never forget this press conference, Sean Wade gets traded to the Patriots two years ago from the Ravens. Rookie, fifth round rookie, the Ravens to say, we've seen enough. You can go to New England. His first press conference, uh, he might have been like right off the plane and just walked in and they were like, yeah, sure, you can talk to him. He goes into depth about the, not only the weight training in New England. So actually, this must have been a couple of days after. Compares it to the Ravens, how difficult it is here versus there. It's just open honesty, not being cruel. He's just being himself. But he's a rookie who's, as you mentioned, sharing more than he should in the Patriots' eyes. Sean Wade, I kid you not, might as well have been in witness protection because we did not see him, I don't think, the rest of the year. Uh, And if you can go back and find those stories, it was great. Again, nothing that is revealing a game plan or this guy's hurt or anything that, you know, diminishes a competitive advantage or reveals anything. Uh, but in the Patriots' eyes, it was a step too far, especially for a new guy. Anyway, uh, let's go back to your list. I'm going to – you know what? I'm going to call an audible. Oh. Because I was thinking about how I don't much care for kickers and how <laughs> Bryce Beringer is, like, the best thing that's happened at camp. His – Whoa! Dude, <laughs> I, I, look, I honestly, my feeling – I've, I've liked a lot of the guys that have come through who played – or kickers and punters talk to them etc but like it's just that's not the part i don't love that part of the game this dude kicks the football and it is majestic i I think i tweeted it it's like you just go ooh ah spirals it turns over it's hanged you know i got alex bar two rows in front of me like that was 5.24 on the hang time like just absolutely crushes footballs and I am genuinely excited to see him just launch some to the moon in the preseason and beyond. I'm, I, I'm excited about a punter. I never thought it would happen. But here I am today, August 9th, 2023. That's my guy. I, uh, I just want to thank you because we are going to have so much fun with this clip, cutting your oohs and ahs and your pointing and just love of punters and just play it as often as any recent clip that you've had. Which I don't think, by the way, you've made – recent waves are gone viral no, so this, no, is, this been, is good for you very quiet it's been it's yeah been, it's been i will quiet. bring up though and remind you and i'm in on bryce Barringer. he's not on my list i don't think we have too much to add but your the, the ball flies off his foot like he's just got a gravity machine and turned it down 10 percent um you tom curran and phil perry ambushed me before training camp on tom's pod jokingly because i was 
half joking at the time of things we wanted to see in training camps. We're talking like a month ago. And I had said, you know, forgive me, guys, but like 80-yard punts are kind of fun. Oh, my God, Callahan coming in here with the punter talk. Lo and behold, welcome aboard the Bryce Berger He has converted me. He had, Punters <laughs> are people, too. Oh, this is too much. Okay, let's get let's get you back to where you belong. That's traditional tape guy. Uh, number four in my list were the run schemes. And we have some questions here in the mailbag. Again, drop some more in the comments. We might get to them. We have three definitively at the end. The run schemes are not only, hey, you have a real offensive line. How does this look? And the run blocking's not been great. It wasn't great last summer. And obviously that portended you know, poorly for the rest of the year. But Mike Kosicki, if he's going to be a featured part of this offense, you have to work around him in a way that you don't with most tight ends because he's a big receiver and he's excellent at what he does. But if he's aligned to the right side, okay, every team in the league is going to know they're not running, you know, power strong in his direction to the right side or anything strong. He's either going to cut back across the formation, okay, and what you call like a split flow, and then they'll run to the right, but he's blocking the backside defensive end, mm-hmm. okay? So you limit your schemes there. How do the Patriots work around that? I don't think we're going to see a ton of Mike Kosicki, but even though he's not in there, you could split out your tight ends, and this will give us a little indication of, you know, how diverse are the run schemes? Do they go back to more man block stuff, which last year they did, and it finally got success because that's the way they did with McDaniels and Dante Scarnecchi, and lo and behold, that stuff still worked. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say this is not a man versus zone discussion. They're going to run some outside zone. We've seen some in training camp. Any of that interest you? Yeah, I am curious about it because obviously it was something that as the as the preseason last year played on, we're like, this isn't working. And are you going to go back to, and as you mentioned, they finally did go back to and have some success with. I Now you're looking at essentially the same personnel if you're healthy. Four of your five offensive linemen would be the same as last year. And if it worked last year, I would think Bill's going to go back to it this year quite a bit. So I'm just, I, I am sort of interested to see how much playing around they do with that, but I, I would prefer them to to stick with what has gotten them there and had success in the run game for many, many years. Uh, a couple of folks in the comments wanting to know about Keishon Booty and Marte Mapu. They, to me, are players that have been discussed at length. I, I get the hype. I, I We've talked a ton about Mapu in this podcast. I don't think we'll see him if I had to bet because he still is in the red non-contact jersey mm-hmm. recovering from a torn pec um, during the draft process. So I don't think it's wise to spend a ton of time here. Kayshawn Booty, to me, um, positive. Trending in the right direction with yep. his total production from, from zero. It's it's hard not to come up from that, but he's been better. I mm-hmm. think he's playing faster within the offense, which tells you he has better understanding. And then the highlight grabs have been as good as any play in camp. Aside from Mike Kosicki's grab over double, triple coverage, with inches to spare in the back line of the end zone, tap both feet in. And scored a touchdown with referees on hand, by the way. No gray area here from reporters. Yep, that was a catch. Boom. Booty, however, uh, not getting the attention that DeMario Douglas has with the first-team offense. Not a lot of time with Mac. There's plenty of time left. I just don't want to make much more of, okay, he's getting better because he's a rookie in training camp. And he's had a couple highlight grabs. Because that's really where the conversation ends for me on him. But the potential is obvious. And if he's working hard... That was half the battle at LSU. So that's it's another good sign for him. I just I'm not ready to go beyond like, okay, it's, it's trending, but it's a I don't, what, what are the degrees on that? Can you tell me, nerd, what like is that a 45 <laughs> degree angle on the graph? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, you don't want me doing math here, but look, it, it has gone in the right direction with him. And and so much of this was about, as you said, the work ethic, some of the behavior. You got an opportunity here, kid. 
in a pretty good place, in a pretty good program with a pretty good offensive coach, like there's a chance here not to, he's not, I don't, I don't think he's making a big impact, especially early in the season. And maybe he doesn't make one at all this year, but there's a chance for you to become a professional here, sort of establish yourself a little bit, get some footing in the program. And then maybe you can develop further as we go. Um, he just, you got to learn to be a professional. That's, that's important. And he's at least on the field for the last week or so. He's starting to look the part. I don't think he's going to learn anything about being a pro here. Uh, just knowing the two of us. Uh, also, because I'm still thinking about the promo we're going to cut with you going, ooh, ah, Bryce Berenger punting. Uh, all right, so I have one left on my list, but what, how many do you have? We've had a little bit of overlap so far. Uh, what do I do here? One, two, three, four. I think I just have one more. Okay, let's go. So, you know, again, so much is focused on the younger players. Are, do any of the young cornerbacks who weren't drafted, uh, do any of those guys pop? Because I still look at that position with the uncertainty with Jack Jones, right? We don't we don't know how that's going to play out, if the league's going to step in, what have you. John Jones has been out for the last four or five days. It's thin there. Like, it's thin. You need one of these guys, I think, to – or you would like one of these guys to step up and give you some confidence that if they had to play, that – they wouldn't be embarrassed out there. So that's, we're talking about speed, speed, Bolden, Randall, one of those guys, Bolden, I thought had a nice little stretch in the middle of camp. So maybe he's of the three, maybe he's the one who's a little bit in my mind ahead of the other two, but you're, they're going to get a ton of reps. Um, you know, not only this week, but joint practices and everything. And we'll see how that plays out, but it would be nice, I think for them to have someone emerge. And then of course there is the, you know, Jalen Mills playing safety, but he can play corner. So they've, they've got a little built-in depth there. I don't think that's necessarily a button they want to push, but if they have to, they do have it in their, in their, uh, in their arsenal. The Mills safety conversation, I think, has largely been glossed over because, you know, part of it was contractual, some tweets. And I just – I wonder how we would view the corner position differently if he was still there. You know, and like, honestly, some agents I talked to after Mills got his deal redone were like, they just did him a solid. Okay. He has right. one deal, one, one year chopped off, got a little bit more money this year. So then he can cash in next off season with cap uh, going up again. You know, how much do you cash in as Jalen Mills nearing 30, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But point being, it's just, it's something that I think has been glossed over a little bit more because especially in light of Jack Jones's situation, you can say, okay, well, they still got Christian Gonzalez. They still have. Jonathan Jones and Jalen Mills. No, no, no. Now it's Gonzalez, Jonathan Jones, and the players you just mentioned. You might have said they were undrafted. Uh, Speed went in the sixth round. Bolden went in the seventh. But it's a good point because that's a reality that we saw when Jack Jones left practice last week. And if they can't step in at outside corner and Jack Jones is gone indefinitely for whatever you know mechanism through the League of the Patriots, they have to play. And we'll find out whether they can hang a little bit Thursday night. Yeah, and, and one more thing on that with the young corners is is Marcus Jones, who I thought had probably his best day in coverage uh, yesterday. But by and large, I think he has struggled in coverage. It seems like every time you look up, whether it's one-on-one, seven-on-seven, 11-on-11, it's like Marcus trailing. Marcus is trailing on the play. Marcus is trailing on the play. Um, look, there's no doubt, um, no denying his athleticism, but he didn't play a ton of corner for them last year. We, we sort of – the hype train on him was because when they got the ball in his hands, he did amazing things with it. Well, he's still a corner by trade thus far. And I think he's further down the, you know, the list of 
of guys that I'm super confident in right now at corner. Now, again, it's still early. We're talking two weeks, and you can see the pedigree. But, yeah, I think he, he needs to he needs to elevate a little bit in coverage. I agree. I think his camp has been uh, a roller coaster. I think it was two days ago, too, that you mentioned. Yeah, like, yeah, was, yeah. one-on-ones. You, you tweeted about it. People can go find it, and the stats are there. They're in my reports and everything. But it's it's a great point because Marcus Jones will be ahead of Holden and Speed. Like, he has been repping yes. with the first-team defense. 100%. At outside corner, I just think part of the volatility of his performance is something that he can do nothing about. He's five foot eight. Okay. It's not to diminish him, it's just a fact. And folks who want to go in the wayback machine know the Ellis Hobbs story. And at some point, you can be a rock solid corner two at that height, but that might be your ceiling. So I root for Marcus Jones. He's one of the most fun players in the team. Great for guy sure. to talk to. Uh, just, yep. You know, you'll feel better if he was uh, in the slot a little bit more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, the last one for me, and this is something that's been overlooked largely, is the linebacker rotation. Like, the way we talk about it is Marte Mapu running with the first-team defense, and that's big news. But as I just covered, probably not going to see him Thursday night. Mac Wilson sneaks in there. He's got three pass breakups in camp. He's rushing off the edge. I don't trust Mac Wilson to be a, a steady part of the rotation. He got benched after four weeks last year and basically didn't play down the, in the second half of the season. But... You've got a year two leap within the system. Jelani Tavai, we saw what that looked like last year as someone who got a contract extension because he made the leap from 21 to 22. And I don't think Bentley will play a ton, but he's been really good in coverage on Ramondre Stevenson. So how many snaps do they give those guys? Anyone behind them? I mean, then you're getting into like Calvin Munson territory. It's just something where there could be a little bit more there than Okay, we look at the, the front, Judon, Uche, Barmore, White, pass rush. Secondary could be great, but we're still waiting on Jack Jones. In the middle of that defense, there's a real question mark, and I think room for improvement and and some some new usage for those players, specifically Wilson uh, and Tavai, depending on how many snaps he sees. Yeah, you know, it's actually interesting to me. Um, the, the number of times that we've seen different players come off the edge in some different alignments – within that group. Um, and also even with some of the, the safeties, in fact, Jalen Mills at one point was working on his pass rushing moves. And I just, it's, it's interesting to me, you know, like, Hey, you, maybe you're not accustomed to doing this. You should have at least one or two things in your bag. If you're going to come off the edge every once in a while, where you're just not going to get untouched and go right to the quarterback. Um, so I think it, you know, it gives them a little variety and a little bit of a change up. I like that you mentioned Bentley. You and I, I think, had this discussion maybe heading into last year, and I was like, eh, you know, I think he's fine. I think he's fine. Like, solid football player, but nothing that made me say, like, oh, give that guy an extension. And then last year happened, and you just saw him grow into the role. More confidence in the system. They let him do a little bit more. His leadership took hold. And then you give him the extension, and I know some people are like, oh, what? no, like, he he earns he earned the extension. He's an important um, part of that group. I also was thinking to myself, like his sort of transformation physically a little bit since he got here. 
Like he was a little yeah. blockier. He's he's a little leaner, I think. Not, not I don't think he's lost any strength, but he's definitely quicker. And you've seen that play in camp so far. And I think that's that's a good sign. I think he's um he's been one of my uh, spoiler alert. He's been one of my I, I would say stars of camp. I think he's Ooh. been. I, every time I look up, he's sort of in the middle of everything, and that's exactly what you want your middle linebacker to be. Spoiler alert, as in like your NFL notes coming this Sunday, or what? What were you spoiling? There might be something appearing in Boston Sports Journal in the next 24 hours. Oh, I like it. Okay, stay tuned. All right, so we just went down our list. Um, I'll read mine. You go through yours just to remind the folks. I think we covered most positions. We were pretty yeah, balanced. Sure. Um, I want to see the offensive tackle rotation. And we talked about Christian Gonzalez. Um, I wanted to know about uh, the run schemes, as I just mentioned. Uh, Pop Douglas, if I hadn't said him already, I'm already losing my mind. How is it? It's 1030 in the morning, and this is training camp brain all over. Maybe it's this clockwork. Okay, Norman I'm writing down again, reminding myself what I, we already talked about. It's Yeah. Yeah, and then the linebacker. So Douglas, Gonzalez, the linebackers, the run schemes in the offensive tackle situation. For you, five things to watch. I did uh, Keon White just maybe just destroying offensive lines and quarterbacks. Um, how they rep uh, Christian Gonzalez, oohs and ahs for the punter, uh, Tyquan <laughs> Thornton, and then the younger corners, you know, Speed, Bolden, Randall. Does, does one of those guys step up, which would be, again, I think important for them going forward. But to be clear for the folks, um, you know, who, who see and hear me laughing. I'm not laughing at Bryce Berenger or the idea of punting. It's just the 180 Mike Giardi has done in literally a month about the whole matter. This is the thing that people don't realize. So, for instance, let's just say I tweeted about a wide receiver making a really nice catch in, in practice. If, if, it, if I have an opinion here and you show me otherwise, I'm not going to be – what's the take committed? I'm not going to be take committed. I will – you if you change my mind – I will embrace it. I will say, hey, that guy did something. Punter, his, Barringer has changed my mind. I am all in on a punter. That, that guy can did something. My, can I draft him on my fantasy team? Is that possible? Can we have punters in a fantasy league? Because I would do it. You're, That's okay. how much I like him. Now you're being ridiculous. Okay, You're <laughs> no, just trying no. to sell the people some false goods. No He's punting. A He's a weapon. Johnny Hacker, he is a weapon. <laughs> Just make him Ray Guy. Let's put him in the hall. Um, you are not adding a punter to your fantasy team. Don't be ridiculous. But look, for the folks uh, who don't know Mike as well as I think I do, you know, that guy did something. High praise. So when he says he'll tweet, that guy did something. Uh, it's, it's good work. All right, let's get to the mailbag. Folks watching on YouTube right now, again, thank you very much for spending part of your morning with us. Uh, these live shows have been a lot of fun. We see you coming through. Any more questions, drop them in now. In the meantime, three questions uh, from Twitter. Mike from Ireland, shout Ooh, out across the sea. Yeah, with You're folks uh, in Ireland, huh? Yeah, yeah, big. Seems like a nice guy. He wants to know: Do you think one of Booty Thornton or Douglas could end up going on IR with a minor injury rather than letting either of the rookies go available on waiver? So you know, the rookies being obviously Booty and Douglas. I think what he's talking about, whether he knows it or not, is the old Foxborough flu. Mm -hmm. uh, the thing about IR to remember though is, and Taekwon Thornton knows this. You only have to miss four games after you make the roster initially, then go on IR and a roster spot opens up. If you go on IR before the season, uh, before uh, cuts are finalized, then you're done for the year. So there's some more flexibility here where, yeah, the Foxborough flu would take out guys for the whole season. It was like, yeah, we'll just see you next time. Um, so I right now, the guy who would get cut of that group, it would be Booty. Mm -hmm. uh, but a lot hinges on the preseason 
Yeah, this is why, Andrew, I talked about sort of how do they manage those reps? What do they want? What do they think about the player internally? And what do they want to show the rest of the league? And I was, you know, having conversations as we often do around the media tent before practice, during practice, after practice. And one of them, one of the reporters said, like, I think they keep six receivers. And I said, I understand why you're thinking that way. But if you cut Kayshawn Booty, who claims him? Because, again, remember, we're talking about a player who a lot of teams, pre-draft process, took him off the board. So I don't think that from April until August that they're going to change their mind. And then if they say the Patriots are cutting the guy, well, they say, well, they couldn't cut it in New England either. Now, if he goes out and blows up in the preseason and is catching passes everywhere and people are taking videos of, of – um, you know, the, the one-on-ones or, or team play during the joint practices and he's making crazy catches, then maybe he gets a little bit more buzz and maybe some team says, ah, it's worth it. But generally, I think we do this every year where we say, oh, I don't know if they can cut that guy. And then every year, everybody gets through. Nobody gets claimed. It, it yeah. like rarely happens because you've spent the last, whatever, four or five months working with that player, just like the other teams have been working with their players. And when push comes to shove, they say, do I want to work with someone I haven't worked with before? Or do I want to work with the rookie or the second-year player that I had in here that I like, that there's some potential, and that we just keep that relationship going? They already know the system. We don't have to teach them all that. And generally, that's kind of how it plays. So, you know, obviously, depending on what happens with Booty going forward, but, like, for me, he's probably a cut candidate that gets right back on the practice squad. I don't – at this point, I wouldn't worry about it. But and that, again, those are the keywords at this point. Based on the information we have available, we have both watched all 13 practices very closely, 12, whatever it is. Um, And that's that's where we stand. Now, things will change. Once again, all this information becomes public Thursday night against the Texans, the week after against the Packers, and then the week after against the Titans. It's a long way to cut down day. That's where we both guess he would would be. And two things on Booty that I think are being uh, overlooked. One, if you had to keep one on the roster, let's say there's a spot, but it comes down to these two guys. Kayshawn Booty? Or Malik Cunningham? I mean, Booty's done more in camp, but Malik has. There's a lot of positional variety there, right? There's the so potential. It's a debate, yeah. and there's a value there. Where Malik yeah. is playing quarterback, you're not going to ask him to do that. He's not starting any games, but he gives you a certain look, and that was a guy that was wanted in the undrafted rookie market with the most guarantees maybe ever, I think, when the Patriots finally signed him. The other part is Keishon Booty was a punt returner yesterday in practice for the first time. And that's because the Patriots love virtually all players to impact both offense and special teams or defense and special teams. You need to contribute in two phases. He's not a guy that has done that or does unless he starts to return. He's not going to leave Marcus Jones. He's not going to outleap Isaiah Bolden or Miles Bryant, but at least prove you're serviceable. And that's where, again, things that hurt his case right now, as much as we would all love to see these highlight grabs and probably will Thursday or next week. Um, those are the conversations the team is having. What does he do for us in special teams? Okay, compared to other rookies, would we rather keep those guys? Uh, a couple of questions really quickly here, jumping in the uh, chat. Valent, uh, Valiant Patriot thinks very highly of himself, first of all. Uh, second, <laughs> in terms of Mac, he wants to know how much do you think success depends on him having a positive start? So like the team getting off to a good start. Uh, how much of that depends on Mac? And if he loses his head like he did last year, does he recover better? Mac has to, right? I, I mean... Everyone has to start fast. I, I do think he's uh, matured in that sense. I think the reasons Mac was frustrated last year are, are largely, well, one of them will be on the opposite sideline um, with the Eagles, Matt Patricia, 
The other one, Joe Judge, is working with the special teams again. So he's he's got the system. He's got better weapons. It's year three. I think he will be frustrated, and that's fine. But how do you express that? However he does, I think it'll be better than last year. Yeah, I think he – look, I think there is definitely some soul-searching in the offseason and trying to find a better way to express his dissatisfaction. And I also think, like, again, last year was just it was one thing piled on another, piled on another. And as you said, the frustration just built up and then it exploded. And it's interesting to me because obviously it wasn't going that well for him. So he got a lot of criticism for it. But I don't mind my quarterback losing his mind every once in a while. Like, I think he's a competitor. Like, he wants things to be a certain way. And it wasn't a certain way last year. Now he has to play better. And to the point about, like, does it, I look at those first five games. I think we've had this conversation before the season started, once the schedule came out. I don't think they're owing five after five games because I think, you know, good coaching, better offensive system. But, like, it's not completely out of the, the realm of possibility when you look at the schedule they're playing and what they're trying to do and some of the, the adjustments that they're trying to make offensively. Like, that's a hard early part of the schedule. Like, and I want to see, even if you're talking, let's say they go two and three in the first five. Just show me some progress. Show me that the offense is now competent, which is something that it wasn't for basically the entire year last year. And if you show me that, then you start to get into that middle part of the schedule where it softens up. And you can, I think you can make some hay there and start to get yourself in a, in a positive, um, you know, one loss situation. So, I, yeah, I think those first four or five weeks are going to be massive for this football team. They're going to be massive. I'm already on the record. I'll reiterate quickly and then we'll rein things in because, again, we haven't played a preseason game yet. That's what this yeah. episode is about. Um they were two and four to start the 2021 season with a similarly difficult stretch to open the year. And they recovered and they recovered in a big way. The schedule after the first six games is not as soft as it was in 2021. It could be, we won't know until they right. start playing games, but if they start two and three, as you say, and there is progress, even two and four, I would say, but they're close games. I'm there's no reason to nuke the season at that point. It's just, um, it's early. And we need to remind ourselves of that every year. Uh, another question that was dropped in the comments Older new, uh, that's how I read it, pronounced it. I'm sorry if there's any mix up there. Wants to know quickly about the tight ends. Honestly, I picked this question just so I could say the name Johnny Lumpkin, who is absolutely <laughs> ripped out of some children's book as like some bully villain. Okay. Um, I, you know, Henry and Gasicki, given. Okay. But we're going to see some tight ends Thursday night that are not Henry and Gasicki, Matt Sokol, Anthony Ferkser, uh, Johnny Lumpkin. So, of the three, do you feel good about any of them really quickly? I think Sokol's had a pretty good camp. Okay. I just – I look at that position, sort of how I feel about offensive tackle, where I'd be going – I'd be talking to people because I think Gasecki's not a tight end, right? So I'll just put yeah. that out of it. So if something were to happen to Hunter, uh, you're not replacing Hunter. He's a good football player with someone that you're going to acquire in trade or via the waiver wire. But, like – I feel like they need someone that at least gives them a little bit of a combination, the ability to block, but also can be someone you can run a route with and not feel like, oh, my God, we, Mike Williams a million years ago when they had him at 6'8", you know, lineman playing tight tight end. Like, you need a real tight end, and I just wonder if any of those guys truly fit the bill. I think they're trying to find out. Uh, they're different players. Lumpkin is uh, – I mean, he looks like a guy who was, you know, bigger than everyone else in 12th grade. He could have taken your lunch money with asking nicely. Um, and he, would, he would fit as a blocking tight end. That's why they signed him. I mean, his his receiving numbers from college were just bad. That's it's what they were. 
Uh, Ferkser is a guy you might be able to move as an F tight end into the backfield, lead blocker uh, mm-hmm. as a fullback. And then Sokol's, you know, your traditional Y tight end. Like the dude's rocked up. He's just had the career that he has because, you know, I don't think the receiving talent is, is particularly great. Um, but he's still in the league. Credit to him. And he might be tight end number three. All right. Back to the predetermined mailbag questions. Kamal, Kamal is doing his, his or her research uh, here. Quote, I was going through the Patriots roster last night and I counted well over half the roster being draft picks or undrafted free agents signed by the team, which is kind of cool. How conscious of this do you think the Patriots are? And do you think this has to do more with Bill Belichick or Matt Grubb? Um, That's a good question. I've always felt like there is a little bit. They do love the we have an undrafted free agent make the team every year. They like to trumpet that. The streak was broken, by the way. I just I have to make the point, and the people that are still with us at this point in the show care about this. 2020, the streak ended. The streak was, do you make the initial 53-man roster? And the people that uh, maintain the streak will point to J.J. Taylor was on the week one roster. That's different. That Sunday when they played an empty stadium against the Dolphins and he was on the sideline, doesn't count. The streak ended. They didn't have an undrafted rookie. As cuts ended, J.J. Taylor came back. But I just, I'm sorry. I just had you to rain. Be that as it may. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> they, they, um, I, I do think there is something about that that they do like that aspect of it. But I also think it, it goes to show you when you start looking at the back end of the draft, how and, and Bill's talked about this, and other guys have talked about it. There, there are some players you think, like, look, we draft this guy, whatever. There may be players that slide through that are maybe better than that but we feel like we can get them that way and it's cheaper and there's less of a commitment. So um, yeah, I think they've done a, a relatively good job of, of finding talent everywhere, you know, various, various places. Um, and I think that look, the last, the last few years, it feels like the, you know, the drafting is back on the uptick again, there's still the jury's still out obviously because some of these, we haven't even had multiple years with them yet, but like, you feel like they're, they're doing a better job of sort of replenishing the group than that period they had, maybe what was it, 20? We've talked about it a million times. I always forget the years 16 through 18, where those drafts were just like none of those guys are around. Yeah. And this is why you got to go spend 200 and whatever million dollars in free agency because you have all these massive holes that you can't fill internally. So I think you're right. They've drafted better. You keep more of those players from 2020, 2021, 2022. Um, you don't have as many blue chip players that are edging other guys out for roster spots. Like you don't enter camp saying, you know, X amount of players have locked down these spots. Mm-hmm. You also have a lot of continuity teams that don't meet this threshold that Kamal found of 50%. If it's way down, those are going to be teams that just had a new head coach or GM takeover trying to get in their guys. The Patriots, of course, 22, 23 years now have had their guys year after year after year because they're Belichick's guys. So I think that continuity is not, I mean, it's obviously unique to the Patriots, Mm-hmm. In the sense of their roster construction and makeup uh, speaks to Belichick being here for that long because you also, and this goes for every team, trust the guys you know versus someone who's out there uh, that you signed as a free agent, which we know they tried to do in 2021 and, you know, mixed results as it always is. All right, last one. Cheeseburger Posse. Mm. One more time. Cheeseburger Posse. How will the scheme differ Thursday night from regular season play uh, when we look at these, you know, preseason games? It's going to be vanilla as all get out. <laughs> show you, they're not going to show you too much stuff. You know, it's, I, it's just, you know, we're going to obviously see some differences because you have a real play caller with a real offense. So just by that mere fact, the design is going to look a, little, a hell of a lot more professional and hopefully 
a lot more cohesive than it did last year at this point. But I think in general, we're not going to see anything crazy. I don't think that that's ever how they operate these preseason games. Yeah, we got some, uh, I remember writing in 2019 about how the offense would change again. That's Tom Brady, it's Josh McDaniels, but without Rob Gronkowski. Okay, there are certain things that I think tip you off of what they're trying to experiment with in terms of the personnel groupings. And they played a lot more 11 personnel because obviously they didn't have the tight end. And there were wrinkles that you could find and came true later that season, which of course things change once you get into November, December, player availability, et cetera. It will be vanilla. I would count on more motion um, and shifts, things that we've seen already, especially in the red zone. And by the way, just just quickly, thank God for that. Like, thank God for bringing the offense back into, like, modern times. Like, I just – everybody you talk to, right, with motion, like you've had millions of conversations. It's a cheat code. So let's let's do this, guys. Let's not use it. No, no, no. It's it's so – I just – every time they're shifting guys, I'm like, it's just so nice to see, like, some advanced uh, thinking from your offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's a low hanging fruit. I've said it, so I think you'll see some optionality with some RPOs, more motion. Yes. Um, things are quick. They're aware of the offensive tackle situation, so things to watch for, things to learn. Just whatever the ceiling is on the takeaway that you have, the significance, the weight you're going to give that, it, it's still very very small. Again, this is going to be August 10th, and we have the first preseason game coming up uh, September 9th or 10th. I don't know off the top of my head. So vanilla, but it'll it'll look. It'll have like a little chocolate drizzle on it, you know, a little Bill O'Brien, whatever, you know, topping he likes, maybe some sprinkles. Sprinkles. That's what it's going to be. All right. Mike, this was a ton of fun. Thank you for being a good sport, addressing the uh, Sink, Stink, Stunk uh, at the beginning, folks, in the the comments, naturally having a lot of fun with that. I've told you I'll wear the T-shirt, but the more important part was the content that you gave us here, looking ahead to Thursday's preseason game, Patriots, Texans. Uh, Follow along also at FanDuel, the official – Sponsor this podcast, exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Where else can people find you? You're on NBC back all the time, Boston Sports Journal. What are we looking for? Yeah, that's my. Uh, those are my two outlets right now. Um, you know, doing doing a little bit of that. Every once in a while, I'll do Channel Seven Sports Extra as well on Sundays. And uh, you know, we'll keep up with the Twitter. And uh, you guys, I appreciate all the reminders. Stinks, stinks, stunk. <laughs> it'll it, it'll happen. Look, you're in the business long enough. Uh, yep. It sounded great. And then uh, KB had his fun. And we enjoy the fun. Let's go back and forth. We don't yes. have to play cliche ping pong uh, all the time. So it's been a great two-week camp. I think we've had great coverage here. We appreciate everyone following, listening, watching. It's been a lot of fun. And we expect to grow and have Mike Giardi back and talk about something else. Actual football, which we have Thursday. I'm glad we got here. All right. So long, my guy. See you.